0: Hello, and welcome to the Friday Reporter Podcast. I'm your host, Lisa Camuso Miller. I'm a public affairs professional in Washington, D.C., and I interview members of the media about their background, about how they got into journalism, and lots of other topics. The Friday Reporter is a PR daily podcast. Check out PR daily for ideas, inspiration, and trends on all things public affairs and to find the Friday Reporter Podcast. Well, thank you so much for joining me for another episode of the Friday Reporter Podcast. This week's guest is my friend, Josh Kurtz, who is the founding editor of Maryland Matters. And to learn more about that is, let's hear from the man himself, Josh. Thanks for being with me.
1: Oh, thanks for having me on.
0: So, Josh, we have now uh, we've worked together on lots of different uh, lots of different publications and lots of different uh, communication roles. But talk to me a little bit about your background and how it is you got into journalism.
1: Oh wow! Well, I've been a journalist for over thirty-five years now, and it's almost a cliche for someone of my generation to say I was inspired by Woodward and Bernstein, but that was part of my inspiration. Yeah. Um, My other real inspiration was um, I I grew up in New York City and um, I used to read the the Village Voice, the old alternative weekly newspaper. And every week they there were these two guys, Jack Newfield and Wayne Barrett, who would write these stories about, you know, corrupt politicians, political bosses and cozy relationships with mob bosses, Mm -hmm. Um, you know bad landlords, judges on the take. And week after week, it was just a fascinating tale of of New York and kind of the people who were pulling all the levers. And mm-hmm. one of the things that taught me was that you don't have to be at like the New York Times or the Washington Post to be really effective and do really good work sure. and illuminate things that are going on. Mm-hmm. So, so between those two guys and Woodward and Bernstein, that was sort of my – my basic inspiration I always liked writing from the time I was a little kid and I became pretty fascinated with politics fairly early on too so it seemed like a good combination good way to
0: go yeah yeah so you started where what was your first publication like where where did you first get your first uh, opportunity
1: uh, well I had during college I had a couple of internships I went to um, University of Wisconsin. So, my first internship was at a uh, a small suburban paper called the Daily, called the West Bend News outside of mm, Milwaukee. Okay. And um, I also worked uh, part time for the Milwaukee Journal for a while. And I also had an internship at uh, the Progressive Magazine out in Wisconsin. So, that was awesome. one of
0: my first,
1: first uh, responsible gigs, I guess you could say. Yeah,
0: sure. So then, how did you get to the how did you get to the East Coast? How did you get here?
1: Well, so I did grow up in New York, and mm-hmm. I've kind of bounced around in my career. I've worked in Wisconsin, I've worked in New York, I've worked in New Mexico, and in the mid nineties, I landed in Maryland and I got a job covering uh, the state house for mm-hmm. a suburban chain called the Gazette Newspapers, which yeah. no no longer exists. Yeah, actually. sadly. Uh, uh, sadly, yeah, uh, mm-hmm. you can say that about so many publications but um so so yeah and so i covered the state house for seven years and then i went to uh uh work uh in dc for for roll call and then uh uh e and e news environment energy news and Mm -hmm. that's that's where that's where you and i met yeah back in those days
0: And so now you're at a publication that is called Maryland Matters. Yes. Uh, The founding editor is your title and role. Talk to me a little bit about that publication, and then I want you to tell me a little bit I want you to tell me what it is you're covering first, but then I really well, want to—I want to learn a little bit more about Maryland Matters because I know it has a different uh, construct than some of the other publications that we that we know.
1: Yeah, well, for starters, we're a nonprofit. Mm-hmm. Um, we're just a website. We don't have any print publication, um, and we really focus on um, uh, state government, state politics we dabble a little in local government local politics but we're we're mostly focused like a laser on uh, what goes on at the statehouse
0: oh and for those like yourself and myself who worked in and around those places it's a really fun it's fun to follow and fun to work in that space because you can really see a lot of things happen from the beginning to the end of the legislative and the legislative session and the characters are are great, maybe even a little bit more. I don't know if it's the same in Maryland as it is in New Jersey where I uh, got my start, but I always felt like the lawmakers, the reporters room was a little more accessible because you really are, not that they're not accessible in DC, but there's more of them in DC maybe. So in, in, in state, it just feels like a lot of fun and you can really interact and get to know them very well
1: uh that is absolutely true and that's one of the reasons why i always loved covering the maryland state house mm-hmm. and and you know they're and one of the reasons they're accessible and with all due respect to your chosen profession is most of them don't have like uh you know comms people around them in fact they barely have staff at all no feelings so, hurt <laughs> so, yeah. so i mean you know the first when i used to c- cover annapolis you know in the late 90s, I would know like exactly which bars I could find a committee chairman at, you know. Sure. And you would just go from bar to bar and like pick people off and start interviewing them. And, Mm -hmm. you know, nobody was stopping me. So it was just amazingly fun.
0: But they also really liked they do like to because that's the best way for them to really get the word out about what it is they're doing. And so they have the opportunity to visit with you and tell their story um, in a way that's that's most of the time. Particularly helpful. But Maryland Matters is structured yeah. in a way, you said, nonprofit. Yeah. Talk to me about what that is and what that means.
1: Well, um, you know, the closest thing I can use to describe it is really NPR. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we rely on donations, some from foundations and charities, and some uh, just from readers. And um, you know, I, I built this out of nothing, basically with a, yeah. you know, with some with some help from a couple of other people. Sure. And we just kind of took a chance and said, there's a there's a there's a glaring need. You know, I've 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 seen coverage just get scaled back dramatically at the mm-hmm. State House. Sure. You know, Baltimore Sun used to have a big bureau. It doesn't. Washington Post used to have a big bureau. It doesn't. They scaled back all their coverage of, of, you know, suburban county courthouses and stuff. And so it just felt like there was this gap and nobody was holding anyone accountable. Nobody was informing voters at election time. And so I just kind of started to build, you know, started to spent years talking about the idea while I was still working in D.C. at mm-hmm. E&E. And slowly set up a non did a little bit of, had a few fundraising events, then a couple of bigger grants came through. Um, I launched Maryland Matters four and a half years ago as a blog while I was still working full-time in D.C. and just putting, putting content up every couple of days. And then after about nine months, I had enough money to hire two full-time reporters Um. About six months later, I had enough money to come over myself full time, Mm. and uh, now uh, you know, four and a half years in, we have uh, six full-time people on the editorial side and one full-time business person, and a kind of cast of contributors, columnists, Uh part-timers. I have we have a ninety-one-year-old political columnist. I mean, you know, I love it. It's, you know, it's sort of, it's very much a seat of the pants operation, but, you know, knock wood, it seems to be working.
0: But I bet your readership loves that. I bet they love it because they're really sort of getting the news from people who are there. If they're joining you at Maryland Matters, then they really care about it too, I have to believe.
1: Right. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, to be be honest, most of our readers are what I would call political insiders who you know, really care about what happens in Annapolis or have to or, you know, because that's, you know, they need to follow it for a living. Mm -hmm. But, you know, and the goal is to kind of slowly build out to the point where, you know, quote unquote, real people are reading too. And we're, we are getting, we are getting some of that now, depending on the topics we're writing about. So that's, that's, that's gratifying too.
0: I bet. Well, and also, too, because people are uh, even more now than ever before sort of paying closer attention to their elected officials and what they're doing, I have to believe that that's only going to keep this – this you know, baby that you've that you've built from the ground up, just growing and growing because there's going to be a constant need for that kind of information uh, from folks. I mean, it is probably very fun because I bet it's very insidery too. That's one of the uh, things that having having been in New Jersey um, during the time when there wasn't a lot of well, let's face it, there's not even a news out. There's no news market there, so it was always difficult no. to find out. But we had. Um, a publication that was an online publication that did have a lot of that insider information. And it was the most widely read uh, communications tool for just about everybody that was in the state Capitol. So I'm, I'm glad right. to hear that you've rep and you've really sort of built this and um, got a model going that is just going to, it's going to, it's going to skyrocket. I know it will, because everything you, everything you've ever touched that I've worked with you on has always been a tremendous success. So that is just really cool to, to hear about. But talk to me, do you think, uh, do you think this is a model that we'll see in other places? And do you think that it's something that perhaps is sustainable for, for news and for journalism, like writ large?
1: Well, it's definitely, it's definitely one model that is succeeding and can succeed. You know, people ask me, is this the panacea? And and I honestly don't know the answer to mm-hmm. that. But mm-hmm. um, I can tell you anecdotally, we, we belong to an organization called the Institute for Nonprofit News. Mm. And um, when we joined in 2017, I think they had about 100 members. Now it's, it's well over 300, which suggests that you there's know, growth more more and, more and more people are trying the nonprofit model around no, yeah around the country and the and one of the interesting things about the INN membership is you know it's not just publications like us covering politics and government you you can have really specific coverage to, that's specific to an industry or you know there's a there's a website that focuses on just education in Philadelphia I mean it's Interesting. you know there, it's very it's you know lots of niche publications but really interesting and well-done ones.
0: That's terrific. And, and certainly, I mean, you know, it's got to be the kind of thing that's super um, gratifying to you, too, because here it is, you've built this from the ground up. Um, I do have to believe that maybe, at least at the start, uh, knowing that you are doing the fundraising and also bringing on the reporters, that you're doing budgets, you're doing a lot of the behind-the-scenes stuff, too, to make sure that the publication is, uh, is able to sustain itself over time.
1: Right, and and you know, I've just been a hack journalist all my life, so <laughs> that's kind of the, what I was getting I- at. This the, is a the, brand the new idea, world. <laughs> yeah, that the the idea that I you know had to become a an entrepreneur, quote unquote, and you know, uh, you know, raise money and ask people for money is just it's just a a terrifying proposition. But you know, somehow it's somehow it's been working, and you know, because we get better, the task becomes easier. But it's it's really not. Still not that easy, but yeah. I always feel like on the on the fundraising front that we're you know six months away from financial catastrophe. But you know, <laughs> luckily, you just keep that yeah as long as it's six months away, and we can. Keep pushing the boulder up the hill. It's it's going to be okay.
0: Well, the best part about this podcast is we get to promote anybody we want to promote. So we'll be sure to make sure everyone right. has a link to Maryland Matters and knows where they can uh, be supportive of your great effort. And that's and also um, just sort of knowing about nonprofit news is just so. Um, it's just so great to to know that there's this other sort of what feels like, at least based on your, what you said about the INN, it sounds like this could be a very uh, exciting growth area. Cause I have to believe that some of the, you know, you think about yourself as a journalist, um, right. but when you were a journalist student, when you were a journalism student, that was really sort of, it was still a very, um, very growing industry, right? 35 years ago you said you were right. at this. So now you think about these young students um, entering into the field I am sure that, you know, every journalist they see for coffee is like what are you doing? Why are you going into this right. ch- business that is I like to think that it's in a growth era, era anyway that it's going to grow and it's going to change because it has to, but um right. but knowing that this is an opportunity for them has to be inspiring as well.
1: I I certainly hope so and we have we have three young reporters in our in their 20s and you know, they're all great people and seem dedicated to the craft. I don't think they have any illusions about, you know, what's ahead of them in, in the industry. But, you know, uh, there's still an opportunity to do great work no matter where you are. And as long as some people pay something approaching living wages, there'll be a way to there'll be a way to do it.
0: hmm. Josh, I'm always curious about especially for someone like you, you've covered a, you've covered a wide swath of, of topics and issues over the course of your time. And you yourself now are sort of in the editing space, but I'm curious to you, uh, to ask you as a communications person, what are you seeing as, um, what kinds of stories do you think are, uh, the most interesting to cover from your perspective? Like what, I know you're covering Maryland State House, but like right. if you find out that Something is happening, whether there's agitation in the budget committee or uh, a member has, you know, made a an errant donation to something. What, what kinds of stories, right. you as an editor, what excites you the most? What kinds of things do you say, yes, that's what we need to go find out more about?
1: Well, you know, it's funny because I think there are kind of two separate ca- categories, I'd say, that are most animating to me. Mm-hmm. and And one of them is just kind of like the pure political gossip and speculation and you know another big campaign season is coming up in Maryland and we want to know you know we want to be the first to report you know who's running who's not you Mm -hmm. know just all that all that kind of stuff you know we found out last night uh that the the longtime chair of the house appropriations committee in Annapolis was retiring and so we were you know happy to put that up at Midnight last Mm -hmm. night, because, you know, we were we were the first. But the other thing and part of this is what um, motivates donations, too. But we really but, you know, we we want to illuminate problems in the state that aren't getting adequate attention. Interesting. So, you know, there was no shortage of that at the height of the pandemic, Mm -hmm. obviously. And, you know, we did some we got a small grant to cover one uh, heavily Latino community and kind of how the pandemic was impacting folks' lives there. And mm. I was really proud of that work. We just got to, we, we have a grant to cover climate change right now and climate change in Maryland specifically, and sort of what's being done, what's not being done, what needs to be done. Sure. Asking, asking candidates for governor to weigh in. And I think that's going to be, you know, really valuable. So, you know, it, it it almost seems contradictory because one is sort of like the lighter political gossipy stuff. And Mm -hmm. then the other seems kind of heavy duty, but I think there's a way to kind of meld it, meld it all together. I get that. uh, Yeah. So I think that's sort of where we're,
0: and I think that's, that's the lens. That's you, a sweet spot for That's the yeah. lens you probably have to look at things too. You probably have to consider, you know, where are their growth, where are their stories that we can grow that can also right. motivate that um, that donor base, uh, while also yeah. sort of being on the front lines of breaking news. Exa-
1: exactly. Exactly. Yeah. 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 And you know, you you do, you don't want to say, you know, you're gonna, you know, you're gonna exactly follow the money, and you know, we, we tell our donors, you know, a donation doesn't guarantee coverage on any particular issue or candidate or, you know, slant, but, you know, you're sort of mindful of what the, the philanthropic community is interested in. Yeah. And, you know, so in that respect, it's something you, you think about.
0: You also have to believe too. A, a, a,
1: a, a philanthropist doesn't care, you know, that a lawmaker is leaving to join a lobbying firm, but, you right. know, they, but they do care about, you know, poverty in Baltimore or what have you. So,
0: and and that makes perfect sense and it's it you know everybody has a different model as it relates to the donor relationship there are certainly publications right. that have that model where you can incentivize their foundation and their foundation will spend all of their time caring about a particular issue but right. i do also understand from from what you're saying is that you can then sort of you as a, as a, as you're dividing out resources, you realize that the donor um, population would like to know more about that. And that way you can sort of direct your, uh, your writing staff to maybe focus in a little bit more and spend a little bit more time there because that's where there's a need and a want for more information. That totally makes sense.
1: Yeah. That's a, that's a great way of putting it, Lisa.
0: So tell me, Josh, um, is there, is there a particular story that you're following now that you think, um, I don't know, that you think that could go in a different, I'm trying to sort of get to the, what kinds of things you as a journalist, what are you looking for Um you know, in terms of new, new directions to go? Like, what is the, what is the untold story in Maryland today? Is there one that you're sort of, is it on your whiteboard? Are you saying, I've got to get to that? I really want to know more about that. Is there one thing out there that we can look forward to from you in the coming months?
1: Mm, That's a great, that's a great question. I mean, I think, I think a couple of things, I think with, with the, uh, election season right around the corner mm-hmm. we just want to kind of we just want to be the leaders in that coverage and yeah. i and i think we will be mm-hmm. um and um i think there are you know there are just so many issues now that aren't getting covered well uh yeah. you know in know you know we you know we have people covering education and the environment and criminal justice and and transportation and government reform but Mm -hmm. but then think of like what are some of the big issues we're missing and you know i'd love to have a full-time immigration reporter but we don't we don't have we don't have one Mm -hmm. yet but you know not yet maybe something that may be something we think about that's a great Um, one you know i think politically speaking everybody thinks about maryland as being a blue state but it's not really as reliably blue as people think it is particularly Mm -hmm. in uh elections for governor. And I think I would love to do some more in-depth reporting that just kind of, you know, explains why and what that means for the upcoming election. And and stuff like that. I know, just think you know.
0: that, um, and having come from like I, I've mentioned, the state of New Jersey, also yeah. a state that they love to say is a blue state. But the truth is, is that and, you and look can't what yeah. you can't put these states into these buckets. I mean, th- life changes, things change, candidates change, and they speak right. to audiences differently. And that, um, in in a previous episode, I asked a guest about um, polling in general, and just in terms of how that's going to be so. They're they're heavily criticized because of at, at least of late, and you probably were on the hill when I was on the hill around this time. Maybe it wasn't the hill anyway. You and I both remember the night where we learned that Eric Cantor was not going to be coming back, right? Um, and right. that was a big night where polling numbers were very different uh, than what the outcome ended up being, and that seems to right. be a trend that's changing. So. For yourself, being in a state where you ha- do have a popular governor who is very well regarded, I also have to believe that watching to see what he's going to do over the course of the next fifteen months will be uh, of interest to your readers as well.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Um, it's it's you know I don't want to get too deep into the Hogan conversation. Oh God, no, because we could go on. For, yeah,
0: no, we for, don't have for, to <laughs> for
1: weeks on Governor Hogan. I bet. But he, but, but he he is terrific at public relations he Uh is he 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 has i i think as kind of a legislative tactician he's been um much less successful and he's he's managed to you know sort of remain popular anyway um i I feel like he doesn't have a big agenda for his final 15 months in office Mm -hmm. in, in terms of like actual practical stuff he wants to get done in the state house, but he is definitely interested in elevating his national profile. And so I think there's going to be a lot of sort of messaging and, um, you know, sort of, weighing in on national affairs and stuff like that so Mm -hmm. i mean in that respect it's going to be it's going to be fascinating right
0: right and we all watch and you you were in on the hill uh when i was where they were sort of uh, forecasting who was going to run and who wasn't going to run and a lot of things can change over the course of 15 months so who knows what will happen Um, absolutely so, Josh, at the Friday Reporter, I sometimes like to know, especially since you're not in the district, um, I'm curious to know what kinds of things during the pandemic uh, have been keeping you busy uh, other than covering the statehouse. Have you been able to get out and about? Have you been able to uh, to be on the water? Are there interesting things that you're doing that are keeping you busy when you're not running Maryland Matters? <laughs>
1: uh well if yeah, my my family would say i don't do much besides that but um <laughs> uh but you know uh certainly certainly been walking a lot throughout the pandemic mm-hmm. just taking long walks in in my neighborhood uh, and uh um Walks, bike rides. Uh, my wife and I try to go kayaking every now and then. So, uh, are you in Annapolis,
0: that, or is that where you guys are?
1: No, no, actually, no. I'm I'm, I'm in Tacoma Parks, so right oh, okay. on the D.C. line. So. You're pretty close. You're pretty yeah, close. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. yeah. yeah.
0: So uh, that's great, and I only ask because you know Friday reporter, we're, we're uh, episodes are airing on Fridays, and goodness knows right. none of us are doing anything very interesting these days. I mean, every once in a while I live vicariously through, but I will say that most often the response is very similar to yours, just sort of hanging out, waiting for this thing to get gone for good, this pandemic. Um,
1: We did go to to the movies the other day for the first time in, in, you know, 20 months. So Uh that's pretty
0: amazing. Okay. That's a good one. Um, I can't wait to go back to the movie. I can't wait to do a lot of things. Uh, So Josh, as we get to the end of our conversation, I always like to ask uh, who it is uh, from your, you know, relationship with other journalists or folks that you're familiar with, who would you recommend for a future episode?
1: Well, um I I I hope this isn't problematic with your ability to get him but I was going to recommend uh, Tim O'Brien at at Bloomberg. Awesome. Um and part and part of that I mentioned um I mentioned this guy Wayne Barrett who at the Village Voice who was um not only did I admire him as a kid but then I went out and worked for him and he was a mentor and my hero and you know he's no longer with us now but he was Really, one of the first people who wrote at length about Donald Trump. He was one of the first people who wrote at length about um, Rudy Giuliani. And Tim uh, also worked for Wayne at certain points. And as as you and your listeners might know, wrote a book about Trump. And I just feel like he is, Tim is the closest sort of living thing we have to my hero, Wayne Barrett on earth. Okay. And I feel like He can explain things about Trump and about Giuliani that, you know, most most mortals can't. Yeah. So for that reason, it's really fascinating. Um, As you may recall, when Mike Bloomberg ran for president, he briefly was his campaign spokesperson.
0: I do remember that. Which Mm -hmm. was
1: very interesting. Mm -hmm. And then Mm -hmm. as soon as Bloomberg dropped out, he went back to doing commentary for Bloomberg. So I'm kind of interested in that.
0: Yeah, his perspective. Little
1: little detour in that evolution I love that. Yeah. Well, as
0: I mentioned to you, and I've I've definitely talked about in previous episodes, some publications and some, um, journalism platforms are, are more, uh, inclined to let their journalists participate in the podcast project than others. So I'll reach out to Tim and for perhaps because sometimes when, uh, folks have a book, it can be part of the book promotion, uh, prospect. So I will reach out to him and I will tell him that you, uh, that you sent me, but I will also give a shout out to our mutual friend, Dan Ronan, who is a, personal friend of ours here in D.C. who also recommended you as a guest. So thank you so much for being with me today, Josh. It's such a pleasure.
1: I really enjoyed it,
0: Lisa. Thank you. And that's today's Friday Reporter podcast, a podcast in partnership with PR Daily, a tremendous and helpful guide for all things public relations. Find us there on their website and join us again for another episode soon. Thanks so much.